Hello everybody and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Health and Sports Show. My name is Tom Butterfield and I'm super pumped today because we're going to get to talk in more detail about the movement health pillar and sorry about that intro. (laughs) And if you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you'll know what those other health pillars are as long as you're paying attention, of course. So if this does happen to be your first episode, um, then you've got a couple of choices. You can either, number one, press pause and go all the way back to episode number one and then catch up on yourself here. Or you can crack on for now and go back once you've finished with this episode. Totally your choice. Whatever you think is going to work best for you is absolutely fine. But like I said, today we're going to talk through the movement health pillar. Now, this is an extremely broad category, and I don't think we can actually talk about just movement without including some other general training principles in there as well, because uh, that will help to sort of shine a light really on the most relevant and useful information that's going to help improve our ability to move our body efficiently and also to help reduce the risk of injury as well. It's not just you know the exercise that you do or the movement that you do, it's also how to put that into a context of a training program as well is really, really important. And uh, we'll try and cover that Uh, a few of those things in the principles, but we'll certainly dig into that in a bit more detail as we go through the rest of this podcast series. And you certainly shouldn't underestimate the importance of being able to train injury-free for an extended period of time. You know, at the end of the day, if you can't move freely and train, uh, you know, not only to the desired level, but also the desired frequency that you want, due to either pain or or injury, then you shouldn't ever expect to either maintain at worst or at best improve your current physical condition past you uh, wherever you are right now. So an early bonus tip for you is uh, if your problem or injury or whatever it is, is, is getting worse or not going away and you feel it is hampering your progress, then go and see a professional who can diagnose it. Notice how I said professional, not just any old rando uh, person that you come across. Then once you've found that person and they've diagnosed it, listen to their advice. And then the groundbreaking part is follow it. (laughs) They give you their advice, give you things to do, and you follow it. Okay, you implement it. It's not just what to do and how to do it. It's actually right. Now that I know those things, I've actually got to now implement it into uh, my rehab program or treatment program to get it better. Even if it's things, uh, they tell you stuff that you don't want to hear. I can almost promise that it will work out better in the long run if you've chosen your clinician wisely. But anyway, I'm digressing there. It must be a great thrill to be an international standard athlete who physically dominates their chosen sport or event. However, how many of these athletes have to undergo multiple surgeries 
joint replacements and painkilling injections regularly as early as their sort of late 30s, 40s and, and, and their 50s. One of the saddest examples that I've seen lately was watching the Ronnie Coleman, The King documentary on Netflix. Great documentary. Uh, now, this is a guy who was at the top, the very top of the bodybuilding world during his prime. Uh, some might argue that there's actually never been anyone else in, uh, like him in the sport since. But uh, sadly, he he's now very severely restricted by a variety of different physical ailments that lead him to needing uh, sort of walking sticks at all times. And he's had to go uh, undergo so many surgeries. It's, it's unbelievable. Now, does he regret pushing himself to that physical limit? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I mean, he's he's a very interesting character, a very special character, and, and only he knows. But being able to get out of a chair without pain, being able to run around with the you know the grandchildren or, or walk freely must seem pretty darn appealing, uh, you know, when he's going through all these issues. But like I said, he, he is an amazing character, and I thoroughly recommend watching the Netflix documentary uh, because, you know, character-wise... You know he's he's just phenomenal. You can see why he became uh, one of the top people in his uh, in his sport in the history of it. So these movement principles that we're looking at aren't for your sort of Ronnie Coleman's or your Johnny Wilkinsons or you know your your top people uh, looking to make it to the very top of their sport. Uh, these are for the population who want to maintain physical independence and the ability to carry out your daily activities that you enjoy doing without the fear of physical impairment or pain. Does that sound appealing to anyone? Hopefully some of you are saying yes. <laughs> and, you know, we don't just want this into our 40s and 50s, but we want this every day of our life. You know, we want to be still doing everything that we want to do into our 80s and 90s and even as a centenarian as well. So let's take a look at the principles of movement and training, we'll put in there, uh, in order to try and get us that nice, long, healthy life. So number one is to aim for a low upward trajectory towards a distant horizon. Remember, we're playing the long game here. Okay, don't fall into the trap of needing to be there at your destination in six weeks. You know, these three-week, 30-day uh, detox plans or, you know, six-week uh, couch to 5K or something can be good motivators, but don't feel you need to get there in that period of time. Um, a healthy, happy life is something that we're shooting for, aiming for every day until you know, the day we move on to the next chapter, whatever that is. And, you know, aim to be hitting your next decade in as good a shape or better than when you hit the previous decade. You know, if you can move as well in your 70s as you did when you're in your 40s, then probably that's a huge win. You know, that's a, a good place to be. Now, number two is to identify weaknesses and attack them, you know, try and improve them. Again, if we're looking athletically at the top level, 
This isn't always true because in sport, we especially at elite level sport, we want to specialize in order to be great at that one sport, game or event. Uh, being fit, as we talk about it, should really read fit for purpose. Now, the purpose of a marathon runner is to run in a straight line as fast as possible for 26.2 miles. They don't need to have the flexibility of an Olympic gymnast or the strength of an Olympic weightlifter. But like we said earlier, we're generally not looking to win world championships here. Okay, I'd love to, but I don't think I'm quite in that category anymore. Um, us non-Olympic hopefuls don't need such a high level of specificity. We should be looking to achieve almost a, a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none approach. If you can deadlift, I know, 250 kilos, but you struggle to run for more than three minutes at a slow pace, then there's a definite imbalance there. The same could be said for the uh, avid endurance athlete who has got quite low levels of strength or mobility, but can run you know, all day. We're looking to achieve improved levels of health, and that means no glaring weaknesses. Now, number three, understand relative intensity. Now, this is a tricky one, and I think this is one that people really do struggle with. Uh, we want you to focus on the correct level of intensity that you should be exercising at for that day. If you try to work out at maximum intensity every session uh, that you take part in, then you will not be in a good place in six to 18 months. Uh, trust me, it's just your body's just not going to be able to, to keep up with it. Don't get pulled into a competition with others. We must remember that everyone's relative exercise intensity will be very different. Uh, you need to always ask yourself if you're working out hard enough just for that given day for that session, because it should be different for each one. And try and target your uh, threshold. And once you know what that threshold is, then target it and try and train around that maximum sustainable threshold or pace. It doesn't mean that you should be, um, you know, going all out all the time. Uh, you know, if you go too easy on yourself and you experience very little improvement um, and then go too hard, then you'll fatigue too soon. Uh, your technique will fail and your injury risk increases. If you can find that sweet spot, and enjoy that feeling of gently uh, stretching your, your comfort zone. It just allows your body to adapt and to improve at a pace that's a bit more sustainable. And like we said, just decreases your risk of injury. Now, number four is to focus on quality rather than quantity. Now, by quantity, we mean things like speed, uh, resistance, uh, duration. So resistance could be, you know, a weight being lifted or the the thickness of a, a theraband that you're using. So quality rather than quantity. Really, what this means is to always focus first on doing the movement well. Uh, ground yourself uh, with really good, well, excellent technique before you start to try and up the resistance or speed. Again, as we said before, 
Don't get pulled into an ego battle or a competition. We're playing the long game, remember. There's so many people that come into my office and we do our consultation. We'll take them through movements. And people struggle to squat just their body weight. Okay, so I'm not meaning body weight as in weight on their shoulders, like just their body. You know, they can't squat properly. Yet you find out that in the gym, they're squatting 50, 60, 70, 80 kilos. If you can't squat properly just you, then why would you expect to be able to squat with another body weight on top of you and keep good technique and it be safe? It just doesn't really make sense. Number five is to prioritize whole body movements. And this is moving a large load over a large distance quickly. Uh, it's become known in some circles as farm boy strength, but really it's just being strong. Uh, strength that you can only use in the gym uh, means that you're probably doing it wrong. It should translate out into the real world. We want to use exercise in order to improve our ability to move, uh, like we said, in, in real life outside the gym. Um, you know, squat, lunge, pull up, push up, uh, doing things like cleans and, and snatches, etc., is is fine, but that must translate out into the real world as well. Number six is to be active or exercise five to seven days a week. Now, consistency is key. And that's even more so than intensity and duration. Sometimes I feel that people prioritize uh, going five to seven days a week and going, you know, 100%, 110%. Some people will say that all the time, every one of those sessions. And I think, you know, your body will adapt over time, but it needs a chance to be able to catch up with itself. Uh, so bear in mind, if you're doing this five to seven days a week, you've got to keep with that relative intensity as well. The earlier uh, principle we talked about, you know, exercise or activity needs to become a habit and almost, I would say, a daily habit. If not, your body just goes back to its natural resting state and make sure that when you are active or, or exercising to try and mix things up as well and this not only helps you physically but it'll also help you uh, stay mentally fresh as well and motivated to keep going if you train on your own a lot maybe join a club or get a you know few training buddies and, and train with others now and again and if you run long distances maybe try a sport that requires a little bit of lateral movement as well, just to make sure that you don't get any of those glaring weaknesses we talked about. But you, you get the idea. Uh, unless you're training for a specific sport, uh, look to try and be a good all-rounder. Number seven is to enjoy the journey. Uh, don't get hung up and obsessed with reaching the destination. Uh, the fact that you have the choice to do this is a great gift. Okay, whatever it is you've chosen to do, it means that's great. So make the most of it. You know, don't let the stopwatch or Fitbit or the scales or an app define whether you uh, won the day or not. Just being out there and doing it uh, means that you're staying consistent and you're going to get there eventually. You know, take the time to look around you. Uh, if you're running or cycling, take in the scenery and really enjoy the struggles that you encounter on the way. Uh, congratulate yourself 
uh, for uh, you know, you've taken an active role in your own health. Uh, if you can keep this up consistently over a long period of time, um, and you know, you'll see where the journey takes you, and it will probably be way past anywhere that you ever imagined for yourself. So, even if you are a week or two behind on your schedule, you know, don't let that uh, get you down or uh, make you give up. This is a long-term thing. And if you can reach your goal at some point, then wonderful. But the sheer fact that you're out there doing it is the main reason for you to uh, celebrate your success. Number eight is learn to breathe. Now, I know what you're thinking. What do you mean learn to breathe? If I couldn't breathe, I wouldn't have got to number eight. I would have passed out at number two. (laughs) But um, if you imagine with nutrition, That's not the simple act of just shoveling food into our mouth. Uh, Just by eating doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy food. And just because we're breathing, it doesn't mean that we're enriching our body with oxygen and getting rid of the uh, carbon dioxide from our system in the most efficient way. Now, the more I learn about the historical, cultural and physiological importance of correct breathing technique, uh, the more I feel it underpins almost everything and is perhaps in the future worthy of actually being a health pillar all of its own in the future. Um, We're going to talk about breathing and breathing technique in uh, lots of episodes, I'm sure, in the future. So certainly I would recommend keeping your eyes and ears open for that. So there we have it with our eight movement slash training principles that we have at the moment. Uh, Thank you for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed the show. Uh, We certainly enjoyed, as always, putting it together. And if you do have any questions at all or you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us on info at elevatehealthuk.com or you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, and all of our social media handles will be in the show notes. But if you really want to give us a bit of a helping hand, then perhaps you could take a few minutes to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, You are more than welcome to give it a big five stars if you think it deserves it. But I understand, you know, You can't please everyone and not everyone's going to like everything you do. So if you do think it's uh, more of a four, three, two, or even a one star, uh, then, you know, just be honest, the feedback is what's most important because that will ultimately help us to develop the show and make it even better in the future for everybody. But thanks again. And just have a read through these principles. Just get comfortable with them. And like we said, if there's any questions you want to ask, please do feel free to get in contact with us. But thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.